0: Support for KVLU is made possible in part by Visit Port Arthur, welcoming visitors from around the world to experience the Cajun capital of Texas. With plenty of Gulf seafood and the natural wonders of Sea Rim State Park and Sabine Lake, enjoy paddling, fishing, sailing, and world-class birding amidst two migratory flyways. More info at VisitPortArthurTX.com. From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands, the companion podcast where we share some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio docuseries exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas. For this episode, we're sharing a conversation between the Symphony of Southeast Texas's own maestro Chelsea Tipton and conductor and Port Arthur native Glenn Alexander, from the most recent Bayou Lands radio broadcast, we hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for joining us here on Bayoulands. Uh, we have a very special guest joining me this day as we prepare for our holiday concerts. Glenn Alexander the Second, and my name is Chelsea Tipton the Second. We're both seconds, number one in our mom's hearts, though, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. And I've known Glenn for a number of years, and hes I knew him first as a pianist, and he's become a rather uh, busy conductor, and we want to just share, just have a conversation. We're just going to have a conversation about our journeys as a conductor. It's not a linear life, as we know. It's a lot of twists and turns, ups, downs, forwards, backwards, and so on. So first of all, welcome, Glenn. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me it's good to see you and, good to see uh, you why don't we just start with let's just talk about our journey my journey your journey Tell us about your journey to becoming a conductor People often ask me how does that start and do you play all the instruments and well, and everyone has such a unique path mine was through the through an assisting an assistant conductor with several orchestras what's been your path to becoming a conductor?
2: Well, I started out actually as a pianist uh, playing in the church. And then that kind of blossomed into my parents wanted me to learn how to read music. And then that turned into going to school for music. And then uh, when I was graduating from college, I had to decide, well, what is it that I want to do? And so um, as an undergraduate, I would regularly attend the Houston Symphony. And uh, like whatever the magic that was happening on stage, I wanted to make that happen. And so I decided I'm going to go to the East Coast. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but ended up applying for grad school, Uh, got into grad school as uh, an orchestral conducting major. And uh, ever since then, it's like things just kind of been happening at a rapid pace. I've never been on staff as a conductor, but uh, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of freelance gigs. What school did you go to? Um, I went to Prairie View A&M University there. I was a piano major. Then I matriculated to Bard College, upstate New York. There I studied conducting for two years. Then during COVID, I got into the Manhattan School of Music for conducting. So I've been in school for all of my 20s. Wow. <laughs> and uh, out of that, man, it's just a lot of opportunities. So
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's being able to seize on the opportunities and to be prepared when the opportunities pre- present themselves. I mean, my my path has been through I was assistant conductor for the uh Savannah Symphony was my first job I was there for 4 years and then the Toledo Symphony which was pretty much my immersion period uh where it was 7 years of just constantly conducting and then I wanted to become a music director have my own orchestra and that's what led me here so everyone has their own different way uh, some people in Europe is the opera house a lot of times uh or being an assistant to someone um who's been your greatest influence as a conductor. I know you were with the Chicago Sinfonietta with Mayan Chen. Um was it James Bagwell at at Bard College? Yeah. Okay. So who's who's been your primary influence as a conductor? And then also who's been your primary influence as a pianist as well? Because that that foundation is what laid the, the groundwork for your journey. Absolutely. Um so as a as a
2: conductor, I would have to say Mayen, just to see how she was able to kind of take over the industry as an Asian woman, which you don't really see a lot and how she just takes command over her post. Um, she's very fearless and she's been very instrumental in my development as a conductor. I've been fortunate to actually actually be one of her conducting fellows at the Chicago Sinfellera uh, for the past three years. So I've learned so many things, both on and off the podium. Um, and then as a pianist, actually my mentor, Damien Sneed. Uh, Damien is a pianist, but he's also a conductor. Uh, he, he has his hands on a lot of things, and I'm very similar. I, I was kind of taught to not be put inside of a box, so... Yeah. Do church. I do orchestra. I do musical theater. So, um, he's he's been one of my greatest influences, just as a musician. Period.
1: Yeah, I know, man, and uh, I know I also know the Chicago Sinfonietta. Uh, the founder of that, Dr. Paul Freeman, was a family friend. knew my dad. My dad's a clarinetist. I'm a clarinetist. Dr. Freeman was a clarinetist who founded that orchestra, and his belief was he wanted that orchestra to be thirty to forty percent diverse minorities. Uh, that was the start of it to be a professional fully professional orchestra in Chicago and it's just blossomed. And when Mr. Dr. Freeman uh, left the post and then passed away shortly after that, Mayen took over and she is a fearless, uh, powerful, powerful uh, force in the music world. And I was talking to her the other day and when you talk to her, you're just like, Oh, this is, this lady's got some high vibrations. You know, (laughs) she is intense. (laughs) You gotta be that way. You know, if you're pioneering, uh, you have to be, you have to know what your purpose is and you have to know your why. Absolutely. So, so what is your why of conducting? Because certainly mine has changed over the years. What is your why at this point? And yours will evolve and change. You're still very young, but you've done so much, but for now, what is your why for conducting? Is there something that, that pops out to your mind? Honestly, I'm just, I feel like I'm most
2: my authentic self on the the podium. Um like in regular in real life I'm I'm really introverted. Um even even though like people see me kind of in the the, the light, like I'm very inward. So uh that's like that's a place where I'm actually I feel like I'm a fish in, in water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I don't know, I feel like I'm ten feet tall. So and also uh just to give inspiration to people that look like me. I mean I yeah. know I don't know if I told you this, but the first symphony orchestra concert I went to was at the Symphony of Southeast Texas back in high school for an educational concert. Yeah, wow! I saw you. I said, so it's it's possible for us to be up there. Yeah, doing and um, you know, when I was doing a Broadway show, Anastasia, um, it brought me so much joy to see little black kids when I would walk up on the podium and they're like, you know, and so for for
1: me that means more than anything. It is important, and I think. I, I think of myself as a role model. I think you, you're certainly a role model for kids to see the possibilities, whether it's in conducting, whether it's to be president of the United States, whether it's to be a senator, whether it's to be a, a full professor at, at a university, Lamar University, for that matter. I think it's important to have that message that, that music should be for everyone, all types of music. And in, in this day and age, we, we have to be versatile my first time conducting in europe was uh conducting every breath you take the sting you know and i was hoping it was going to be the brahms first symphony or beethoven's fifth symphony with the Berlin Bayerisch Orchestra, Opera Orchestra in Berlin, Germany. But no, it was every breath you take <laughs> from the police, you know? And, but you take those opportunities and you have to be versatile. And that's one of the things I've admired about your career is your versatility. You mentioned Anastasia, uh, your tour. Um, mm-hmm. Could you share a little bit about that experience? I mean, I, I've done touring, it's mm-hmm. glamorous, it's fun. You go to all these places. And it is exhausting (laughs) at the same time.
2: Um, So I was fortunate around this time last year, I had just left school, but then I started getting calls for a lot of professional things. And so then it was, okay. well, what happens next? And um, I saw that this tour was looking for a conductor. So I applied like everyone else. Um, Then like a week later, I heard back. I got an interview with Stephen Flaherty, who wrote the music for the movie Anastasia. And then also uh, my music supervisor, Tom Murray, who is a huge Broadway guy. um, I interviewed on a Sunday. They hired me on a Tuesday, like the following Tuesday. Wow. And then uh, I started the tour January 1st, 2023 of this year. Five months. (laughs) Doing eight shows a week. It it takes a different type of energy. Like uh, I accidentally... Took a melatonin when I thought it was my vitamin. Oh, 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 oh.
1: why are these tempos so slow? Why are these <laughs> tempos so slow tonight? <laughs>
2: yeah. And uh, you know, it it was wow. it, it, it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me that the world can be your classroom, and that that's exactly what it was. Um, I got a chance to view the United States. I got a chance to go to Canada. Um, speaking of Canada, my favorite stop was Vancouver. Gorgeous, beautiful, but It was honestly like I never thought that I I would be on the road doing a Broadway tour. You know what I mean? And so it's 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 a thing like you never know where this conducting thing will take you. You know, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite conductors is Carlos Kleiber. (laughs) Phenomenal conductor. Very limited repertoire, you know—Beethoven symphonies, Brahms symphonies, Strauss tone poems, Strauss uh, operas, and certainly in the opera world as well. I think those days are done for conductors, where you just have just limited, and you can just do—you you have to be versatile to do lots of different styles. Now, as you get more and more into your career and you you develop, you you tend to gravitate towards different things. Um, I will never do a Bach B minor Mass. It's just not my thing you know i i could probably get through it i could do a reading of it but there are people out there that just love it and that can really do it at a high level and god bless them and they they should do that at the beginning though i remember i remember paul freeman who founded the chicago simpiana i i went, i was visiting with him and i was hired to do my first pops concert so this was back in early 1990s and i said you know um I don't want to be labeled a pops conductor and get the reputation of being a pops conductor. And so maybe I shouldn't take this gig. And he looked at me and he said, Chelsea, you have no reputation. Take the gig. Just do it. You know, you have to take all these opportunities. And then after a while, you can kind of filter out what maybe is more suited for you. But at the beginning, you just just take that opportunity. And you were in New York City, which was for quite a while. Did you do some other gigs there as well in New York City? Yes.
2: So most notably, I premiered a symphony with John Batiste. I thought
1: so. Okay. Okay. I thought there was a,
2: good. Yeah. And actually, so that entire year was documented. So it's coming out on Netflix.
1: Oh Um, man. uh, You and Maestro. The movie Maestro is going to be coming out. So, Hey, good company. Yes.
2: (laughs) Uh, John, John is incredible. He's like not, he's really not of this world. Uh, One of the most brilliant Musical minds like I've ever been in the midst of, um, John Baptiste, um, American Composers Orchestra, where they premiere a lot of new. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Lincoln Center. I am doing NYU Orchestra in
1: February. Okay. So I'm, I'm, What's the repertoire on that? Is that a, a classical concert?
2: It is a classical concert. Okay. So uh, they contracted me to to do a Black History program. I said, okay. "Well, I can choose the you know the rep." Absolutely, mm-hmm. we're doing Grant Stills Symphony Number no. Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Taylor Dance Negre and mm-hmm. we are they commissioned actually a student composer
1: so doing a little bit of everything i'm looking forward to that nice nice yeah new york city is just a real central part of the arts in this world i mean you've got the best of the best it's an expensive place to live uh yeah. it's a frenetic place to live but if you can kind of get locked in there into the the music world there, it can take you a lot of different places. You can, you can just watch and see a lot of different things. Yes. That's, that's wonderful. So I said that Carlos Kleiber is one of my favorite conductors. Who's your favorite conductor? Is there someone that's, that may and Chen was certainly your mentor um, and teacher. Is there someone who, and, and, and this, this movie that's coming out Maestro on the life of uh, Leonard Bernstein. I'm so looking forward to that. Bradley Cooper is the director and starring in it. Bernstein was a big influence on me at the start of my uh, career as I was growing up. Uh, how about for you? Is there someone that that jumps out for you? Absolutely. Um, actually speaking of maestro, uh, Bradley came to sit in the pit
2: uh, at the Met to. to... <laughs> To watch Yannick uh just conduct,
0: and so yeah, we,
1: yeah, we, he's an advisor for the, yeah. uh, the for the movie. Wow, in a few nights, and so i'd like to see him look well, like to be
2: watching and to be learning. And now that like it's coming on screen is mm-hmm. like, um. But as far as con- conductors, of course, Bernstein, um, he was one of a kind. Just yeah, cool everything, and not like not not only a conductor, but also as as an educator, mm-hmm. um, as a pianist, he was a wicked good pianist. Um, mm-hmm. as a composer. And also for me, uh, Herbert Carrion. Uh, I always listen. Interesting. Okay. He could bring out colors that mm-hmm. I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. So um, really when I'm listening to things, I, l- I like to reference Carrion a lot. But really, I think Lenny's my guy for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, my as I've gotten older and as I've gotten, and I look back at some of his recordings, I, I don't always agree with them. Uh, mm-hmm. the approach, because now I know more. and But what I, I've come to appreciate more about him the last, let's say, five to seven to eight years, he really knows every note of the music. He knows everything, and he's able to just synthesize a score inside him. I don't have to agree with everything he does, but I wish I could know a score that well. Now, your Anastasia experience, you, you did the same piece, Eight one, times a week for a bunch of weeks. How many I, weeks? It was a uh, five months. You said I did it one hundred and
2: twenty times. Wow. I I would say week three I had it like memorized. I was off book uh, doing everything from memory. And now looking back on it, it's it's really like strange that I was able to internalize that like that because it's a large piece of work, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: you know. But it was just the repetition, and I I. I look forward to the day that I can do that with an orchestra. That's what I was
1: getting at, That's There is something, you know, you can study. You can study all you want. You've got to get up on the box and in front of people and conduct and work things out and try to figure things out. And these people like Leonard Bernstein, Claudio Botto, one of my local heroes who passed away was Larry Ratcliffe at Rice. Um, You know, they've done the Brahms symphonies literally performed it probably 100, 150 times. There is no shortcut to to doing that. As much as we'd like to study and say, we know everything, we've studied everything, we've studied with this teacher and everything. uh, There's just something about just getting up there and doing it and failing your way through it and figuring some things out, succeeding in certain things. There's no way around it. And that's why I was interested about your experience with Anastasia because it was one of the few times, that's going to be one of the few pieces in your life where you've done it Probably the more than any other piece in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say like I
2: think the only other piece that I truly know because I've I've had to do it so much for auditions and just also class would be Beethoven Five. Yeah, know. same here. And also Appalachian Spring, even though uh, sometimes ah, it's, skip- it's so hard. But yet, like I I just it's just one of those
1: things that you know yeah. it's innate, it's inside of you. So yeah, I mean my piece, Dvorak Eight. that Ooh. yeah, the G major eighth symphony dvorak eighth symphony that's a piece that i grew up with and it's funny there's certain pieces that i grew up with have a certain special place in my heart i still learn new music now i i'm working with some i just did sibelius second symphony for the first time about a month ago sweet it's incredible oh, it's incredible it's hard it's really 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 difficult and it was a great it was a great experience but it tchaikovsky's fourth symphony I discovered that piece and started listening to it when I was in my tenth tenth or eleventh grade. We played it in an all state band. We played the fourth movement in all state band. And yeah. from that point on, I just fell in love with the entire piece. And I started, I've been listening to it all those years. So it has a different place in my in my spirit. Um, is there something that you would like to perform this like on your radar right now? Ooh, that out I... Yeah.
2: Okay. So yes. So my dream, piece, dream, dream, give me your
1: dream piece.
2: My dream piece is on it. It's Mahler two, the resurrection.
1: Ooh, it's expensive. I want to do it here in, in Beaumont, Uh, uh but uh, it's expensive. Yeah. Let me come and assist you. <laughs> <laughs> now, when this broadcast comes out with our conversation comes out, we will have already done our concert at the, in Port Arthur. You're going to be coming to join us on that concert. Um, What is it, have you conducted in this area? I mean, Southeast Texas? I have. Yeah. I
2: was so very fortunate to come home uh, back in March, actually. It was my parents' anniversary that Mm. week. So um, I was able to come and conduct uh, in in Orange at the- Oh, at the stage. Okay. And um, to be able to come back now, and being in front of an orchestra it's there are no words honestly i'm you know to be in front of family and
1: things and parents it's mm. It, it is special you know i i had my first experience with that about two years ago in greensboro greensboro symphony i conducted them for the first time and and i'm way in my career but i've never conducted them but to be in my hometown and friends came out parents my mom came my sister and brother and everyone came out to see the concert uh there's a difference there's something about coming home and and see and showing people too what you've been doing for all these years you know you were the pianist you were and then he's like he's going off to new york to study conducting and everything and for people to see what that's about and to, to give back we're very happy to have you at our at that Motiva concert, and Motiva is a gift to their to Port Arthur. Uh, they are they're the ones that sponsor the concert, so mm-hmm. it's important to have local artists to to join us. I mean, you're local, but you're not because you've gone off and done these amazing things around the world and everything. But I, I think it, it gives a certain sense of pride to, to that you're coming back home to mm-hmm. to conduct. So. All right, I think we're coming close to the end of our time here. Let me just ask you this. I wouldn't say you're an emergency conductor. You, you're really on a great track, but what advice would you give an emerging conductor? If some young, let's say 15, 17, 18-year-old child said came up to you and said, I want to be a conductor, what would be the advice you might
2: give? First thing I would say is just become as proficient on your instrument as possible. Um, that could take you a long way because sometimes yeah. like, have to play actually as a pianist in the orchestra so for you to be able to relate as a player that helps out tremendously and also just be resilient because it's a world that is very cutthroat it moves fast and you have to have very tough skin because you know, you will be told no more than you are told yes. So it's, it's, it's dealing with the downtimes. And also just, just go for it. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. I love when people tell me
1: that because then I'm able to show them what I can do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think those are, those are important. There is a certain perseverance that you have to have and a resilience that you have to have. And, you know, it was interesting, you said earlier in our chat here that you're, I don't know if you use the word introverted or you're quiet kind of. Yeah. And I'm I'm really the same way, actually. But I've had to learn as a conductor to come out of that shell at, at times. But I tell you, after concerts, we do our concerts here on Saturday evening and we have rehearsal that day and then the concert and lectures and that type of thing. On Sunday, I am in cave mode. I want to be by myself for at least most of the, most of Sunday um because it is a lot of giving it's a lot of giving and you and you have to recharge your own battery as well thank you brother <laughs> that was okay. great it was just sharing ideas and i was so looking forward to this because as conductors we don't get to uh, we're, we're kind of like satellites here and there and everywhere we don't get to really get together unless we're at a workshop or something like that so i was looking forward to this and um just you're just doing such great things so keep keep it going and kudos to you for just being so
2: like your longevity man is commendable because i i, I know how it could be we have you. a
1: shelf life <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah, but. <laughs> but in general life is good i'm not doing as much guest conducting which i am really happy about and just kind of doing my jujitsu, trying to stay in shape and you know keep up with you <laughs> 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 well, I'm so proud of you, and I am just honored that I'll get to work with you, and you'll get to work with the orchestra here. I know they're excited about it, and uh, we appreciate KBLU for allowing us to have this conversation. And it, like I said, I didn't want to be an in interview; I wanted to be a conversation between the two of us. We're both—you have to have that hustle in you, and you—you're hustling. I'm hustling, trying to trying to keep it's kind of stitched together a life. It's not an easy path, but just so proud of you that you've come out of this area and and gone on to do so many great things, and you're continuing to do great things. And we appreciate the viewers for coming and listening to us as we've had our conversation. Uh, this was Glenn Alexander II. My name is Chelsea Tipton, Music Director of the Symphony of Southeast Texas. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you the next time.
0: Thanks to our guests for this episode, Chelsea Tipton and Glenn Alexander. And thanks to the H.H. and Edna Houseman Charitable Trust, for making this program possible since 2016. Additional support is provided by the Jefferson County Tourism Commission. For more information about the Symphony of Southeast Texas, go to SOST.org. And if you're in the area, you can check out their Classic Series 3 concert tomorrow, Saturday, February 3rd, at the Julie Rogers Theater in Beaumont. The concert will feature guest artist Clayton Stevenson. If you enjoy the conversation shared in Bayou Lands, please remember to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. You can hear the radio broadcast every fourth Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on 91.3 FM, celebrating 50 years of public broadcasting in Southeast Texas. Thanks for listening.